Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have my good old buddy, Brian Manley, another big player in the Phoenix market. And he's gonna talk about how he's wholesaling virtually for 100K a month, making as much as 75K on one vacation through Mexico, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico, which is probably not even that fun. <laughs> and even hitting 200K <laughs> a couple of times. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So if you want to join us, let's connect on Instagram at steve.trang. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for the show. Don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you guys to listen to this show. I've been advised by a consultant that I need to get to 500 five-star reviews on iTunes to hit some of my crazy outrageous goals. So please do me a favor. Go into iTunes, subscribe, give a five-star review. If you can write what you like to show, that'd be even better. So with that, uh, this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Brian to answer. You ready? Cool, let's do it, let's jump in. All right, are you are you recovered from Saturday? <sighs> yeah, I recovered from Saturday on Monday. Okay. So. Yeah, on Monday, on mo mostly. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> mostly. recovered until Tuesday. No, <laughs> so. I wasn't optimal, I was, I was kinda, I was, I was serviceable. I'm yeah. serviceable. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So for you guys who don't know that aren't watching us on our Instagram stories, uh, I rented a house for the weekend for my birthday and uh, Brian made a special appearance. So that was awfully cool of him. Special. <laughs> All right. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I don't know what to expect, but let's do it. All right. Let's so do first it. question is simple, uh, is what got you into real estate? <laughs> Okay, uh, I got fired, man. I, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that's the, the truth of it, man. I, yeah. uh, you know, before I got into real estate, man, I way, way back, like 2008, I kind of dabbled in real estate a little bit. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what I was doing at all. Had a couple of rentals and uh, was really counting on appreciation like a lot of people didn't know what they were doing. You bought it, it one of them negative cash flow every month. And I was like, ah, it, it'll appreciate out. I have a plan. So That's a what, plan. That was everyone else's plan. That was everyone else's plan. They didn't know what they were doing, man. Crash happens, all this other stuff. And I find myself back in, you know, I lost my job right around the same time when a lot of the people did. And from there, I kind of just resumed, got into sales, been in sales for a while. Had that same cycle repeat a couple of times where, you know, part of what, what I do is I would go into areas that were, you know, not really performing well or territories or companies, things like kind of help turn around segments of, of you know, either a territory or a company. And, uh, the last company that I, I got on board with, it's pretty cool. Go down to Mexico, do some consulting, just things like that. And one day I remember looking at the, you know, they were having a discussion about numbers. And I thought, okay, well, they're paying me this, they're paying it. Well, this, how's this math work? You know, I'm looking, you know, okay, this doesn't matter. So I get called to come down to a meeting in Tucson. They hired three people to run the Phoenix market. I'm going down and the guy, another guy who got hired at the same time as me, uh, you know, we're, we're chit-chatting. He goes, yeah, my, I'm, I'm getting down about 9 o'clock. They asked me to come in at 9. And I go, huh, I'm coming at 9.30. I'll see you. So I show up. It's kind of one of those businesses where there's a parking lot in the front, and I don't see his car. I don't even remember his name now. I think his name is Joe or something. I go, well, where's Joe? Where's Joe at? They go, he's not here. And I go, it's funny. I just talked to him. He said he was on his way down. So It was a very short meeting. It was a very short meeting. <laughs> so I walk inside and I see the HR lady and I go, ha, 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 this is what this is. Yeah. You know, it was basically found a guy, 20 years experience, book of business. They could pay him double what he makes, which is less than what they were paying the three of us. Mm -hmm. And like that, out of a job. So I'd been, I'd seen this game a couple of times and me looking at kind of at, I didn't like the idea of somebody else using me to help build something and then having to start over once it's running and it's fixed. Once we don't and need you anymore. Once you don't need you anymore. And I'd had that a couple of times with a couple other businesses. And I thought, mm -hmm. 
I just don't want to do this again. So I, I took some time, and coincidentally, myself and partner both lost our jobs back-to-back days. That one was predictable. It was a buyout. Mine was complete surprise. So it was to take a little time to figure out what do you want to do. And then it was really, I kind of suspected, let's get in real, let's do some real estate stuff. Really no plan. Had a conversation. I said, I know what you want to do, and I'm not going to say it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one day it's like, you know, I know you want to flip houses. Yeah, let's flip houses. Three days later, we had our first house. Mm-hmm. How long? And it was how just was like this? that. This was 2015. Okay. This is 2015. So 2015, you yeah. lost, you, you got let go. Yeah, let go. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I was freed. <laughs> yeah, let go. And yeah. then you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing real estate. And bam. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah, right off the bat. It was like that two months of thinking. And then the first deal was pretty ambitious, mm-hmm. but didn't know it was ambitious. So the first house bought, it was a $405,000 house in Scottsdale Mountain. And there was some money, there was some savings from, yeah, I haven't been in corporate before, some sales and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the package, it was like, okay, let's jump in this. Funny thing about it is, I didn't know until years later that that first purchase was a result of buying from a wholesaler. I had no idea. Had no <laughs> idea. This is, how the, this is how the purchase went down. I called an old friend of mine from college. He said, yeah, I've got a guy who's got a property. We meet and have lunch, literally decide, hey, we're buying this thing. Let's go look at it. And that was it. It was a whole three-day process. So after that house, I called the guy back and I said, hey, I need some more houses. And the guy could never give me another house. It wasn't until years later I realized because a wholesaler had used him to sell it to us, he didn't know how to find houses. Then the light bulb went off that realtors don't know how to find houses a lot of times. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I thought like everybody else, they're a realtor. They, okay, they've got this golden key and, you know, all the, uh, all the homes. I wish. Are, you know. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so that was really how it got into it. And it was jumped into like a big project that was mostly lipstick but when Mm -hmm. you're at higher end even lipstick costs a lot Mm -hmm. so it was a good learning process because i mean there were long days sleeping there doing a lot of labor myself kind of having to be instructed on how to do it because i didn't know how to do that stuff it was just this is a great house um and then it wasn't a great house when it was time to sell it (laughs) because what we didn't know is even though the comps really really supported you know and it was lipstick throughout 20 25k into it well the houses that were selling for about 500 they were up on hills in this community and the idea of just because they're three doors down doesn't mean they're the same. This one's on a hill mm-hmm. overlooking the city. Yours is down, kind of recessed. And so I ended up holding it for like two years. You're like where the poor people are. <sighs> right, right. The poor people <laughs> in the gated, manned 24-hour community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a great, great decision the first time, but yeah. learned a lot, man. Learned well, a lot that's, from it. You know, they always say, um, we've had a lot of people on the show. Yeah. And like on their first flip, they made money. They didn't know what they were doing, but they made money. Yeah. But really, for most people, you lose money on your first flip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And blood, you know, the funny thing is that I re- figured out how I was wired then, man, because I'm like, you know, this is probably going to be 20K or so lost. Okay. I mm-hmm. said, let's just sell it. And let's keep going. My, I never had the thought, we're going to lose money. Let's stop. My thought was, when are we going to do another deal? Because mm-hmm. we're going to lose money. We got to get that money back. Yeah. Almost like the Vegas guy. I guess, well, I can try it again. But <laughs> my idea is, I'm thinking, if you go, you know, the, the traditional route and you go get a job and you got to co- cover up a $20,000 loss, that takes some time. I said, okay, well, let's, mm-hmm. let's do another. And it was like 2025. It ended up being more because we held it, um, rented it at a loss for a period. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get rid of it, but we couldn't come to agreement. But yeah, it I was. I went to that same thing was, with my friends. Did you? Yeah, I was like, let's sell it. Like, we bought this to flip. Yeah. And like, oh, we're not making that much money anymore. Let's hold on to it. I was like, no, let's, the plan was to flip it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I lost because there was three versus one. 
but my credit was fine. One of those guys got a foreclosure. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, we bought it to flip. Yeah. Just because our money's less doesn't mean we changed the plan. Right, right. And I always think about this when you have one because we had a recently our first flop, mm-hmm. like a first one. Like I don't count that one. We didn't have a company name yet. There was, it was just let's just find a house in the summer mm-hmm. and do something because we have time. Yeah. Um, but the first flop as a company, and you know, it's one of those things that I always think about. Okay, well, even if I don't make what I want to make, I just want to get my money back out and get that capital working. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to have my money tied where I can't use it for other things. So just get it out. Right. Just get it out. I always think about that. Let's just get your money back out. So you partnered up in 2015. Yeah. You guys are still partners? Yeah. Okay. So that's been a long, fruitful relationship. Yeah. It was, you know, and it was, it had, it's gone through ebb and flow and kind of like it really took some time before um, roles were really firmly, you know, identified mm-hmm. and it was entrenched really. Um, because before, when we first started, it was just flipping. And it was just flipping for probably two to almost two and a half years. It was only flipping. Yeah. And so it worked really good together, putting together some really nice flips, uh, always made money, always sold. I think our average days for a contract was like eight or nine days. Um, you start feeling a little bit invincible, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it wasn't really until um, I went to an event in California and I discovered, I was, I was kind of isolated, I think, kind of. We built a lot of things backwards, kind of like, you know, Jimi Hendrix, they say he played the guitar like upside down backwards because he's a lefty and he mm-hmm. learned how to play on a right hand. That's what we did. We just piecemealed stuff and had no idea what was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't really until I went to an event in California. It was a, uh, a, a find and flip or scale and escape event. And uh, the idea of wholesaling, I thought, oh, I only went to meet people because I felt like starting from, you know, scratch full-time day one, there was really a compressed learning curve. When you go full-time from day one, mm-hmm. where you are at a, a year is not where most people are at a year, but you're doing, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day every day right. and two people doing it. You learn a lot real fast. Um, but yeah, wholesaling, really, we didn't even want to be wholesalers. We, we were doing wholesales um, kind of accidentally. Yeah. Find some deal. Didn't really fit us. We'd say, hey, somebody just give us a couple, you know, pay us some money for this deal that we don't really want. We don't have enough money to do it or whatever the case mm-hmm. was. Be. It didn't really even re- occur to us at that point in time. That's really what we were doing. Okay. Know? So uh, I want to talk about your transition to wholesaling. Before we yeah. do that, uh, partnerships, that's one of the things that everyone asks me, should I do a partnership? And I always tell them, hell no. Yeah. But I'm the biggest hypocrite because I have a business partner. Right. It's Max. Right. You know, but I think it was anyone else. I wouldn't partner with them. Yeah. So uh, for me, I, uh, partnerships, it's, it's been a blessing for me, but more often than not, I want to say like 90% plus yeah. the time, it kind of it's kind of like crashes and burns. Yeah. So what was what's helped you guys ke- keep your partnership uh, healthy? Because I think some of the people that are listening do have partnerships. Yeah. I you know I'll tell you there were some fights, man. Mm-hmm. There were some. You know, I think one of the things is finally accepting that we were good at different things. Yeah. And I think. You know, I think I knew it early on, but sometimes you have to be careful with language. And I used to say things like, hey, we're just different. I look at this. And what she was hearing is, I'm better. And it's not what I was saying at all. Yeah. I was saying we're just different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, both of us for a time, we worked in, in pharmaceuticals. One of the one of the roles was data analytics. I was a business development manager, or a regional business an- analyst for a far- large pharma company. We both had the same role. She's way better at, at that role than I was. Data analytics, things like that was a strong suit. Me, I always excelled in sales. Everywhere I went, I either won some award, closed big deals, and it was just, it was natural to me, and it didn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had a much higher risk tolerance. Yeah. 
So I'm saying, hey, let's do this. And it's no, go back, circle back to the first property. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really until we were sitting in a mastermind when they were really started to work and they said, well, you're the visionary and you're the integrator. And this is why you're having problems because you're both trying to be the lead dog on the same t- task. And that was really only having a third party look and say, this is what's happening. I think that's why it's obvious because I was having thoughts of saying, okay, there, this might be time to split off. Mm-hmm. Because um, in our defense, when we first started out, it was just, hey, let's flip a couple of houses, let's flip a few houses, a few houses a year. It wasn't until I looked back later that I realized this whole thing you want to create, I kind of just drug you into it. And this, what, that wasn't your plan. Yeah. You know, let's do all these other things. And, and that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. So I think realizing that for me going, okay, well, it, on the one hand, that wasn't clearly communicated for me. And then the other hand, realizing we're pretty good at things, just not the same things. Right. And let's run sideline. And that was it versus saying, hey, I can do everything myself because there's some mm-hmm. things I'm just terrible at. Yeah. Um, and that was really recognize my limitations because I think I could do everything. Um, and then realize even though I could, a lot of times I wouldn't and I procrastinate because I just didn't enjoy them. Yeah. You know, and going, yeah, we're going to send out mail and here you are six weeks after, you know, when you should have mailed it. <laughs> I'm going to get to it. I hate that kind of stuff. Visionary. Yeah, yeah. I hate <laughs> that kind of stuff, man. So, so, uh, so you brought up another point too is yeah. that uh, it was in a mastermind. Yeah. That someone brought this to your attention. Yeah. Right. So you guys weren't in a mastermind. You guys might have split up. Yeah. There's probably 90% chance that we would have. Yeah. So then talk about, you know, like the, what, what, what have you gotten from mastermind? Because I think some people, they hear about it and they're like, that's too much money. It's not worth it. Like, what is your perspective on masterminding? So, you know, the, well, it it is too much money if you're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're going to spend a bunch of money, that's like anything, you know, gym membership, you know, I, I've wasted money the past it's 80 three bucks months. a month. Just going it, you know what I mean? It just goes, like, oh, you're fancy. You must be at Mountainside or something. It is Mountainside. It is Mountainside. <laughs> He's got a free plug. We said 80 bucks. I thought, who, who was I unwilling to pay? And it was them. Um, but no, you know, it is too much when I think um, if you're like most people, they're just going to keep getting education, keep getting education, keep, educa- keep getting education. For me, um, immediately what I thought about was all you do is one deal and get your money back. Mm-hmm. Do I plan to do one more deal? Yeah. yeah. Well, what if I learned how to do 10 more? What if I'm like, oh, okay, it was a no-brainer at that point. So I think one of the main things I got out of it is sitting in a room, and sometimes there's some people that are just very impressive people. Sometimes there are people that aren't as impressive, but they're doing better than you. And I think – Doesn't that kill you? Yeah, yeah. You look <laughs> at it and you go, let, you know, and it's a how smack How am I losing smack. to this guy? How am I losing to this guy? I'm super competitive, man. I'm <laughs> super competitive. Yeah, I guess that's why I tell people you cheat in basketball. You know, you beat me fair and that up. Uh, I'm like, Steve cheats, but, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm super competitive, man. So sometimes yeah. you sit in there and you just look at a guy, and it's not to disparage the person, mm-hmm. but I just go, if I have to catalog my skill set or what I, th- and, you know, I'm only, you know, and it's external observation to the other person. I don't mm-hmm. know. They could be brilliant. But I'm just yeah. looking and I'm going, you're killing me. Yeah. And Literally. You're, literally. And I go, okay, well, and then someone will share with you in there because largely what benefited, uh, what was beneficial in this mastermind is, most people are in different markets. Mm-hmm. So people can share freely, freely without fear of, you know, creating a competitor that has some insight. Yeah. So that was the main thing. And then just people who are figured out different ways of doing the same thing. Because, again, a lot of people, they just created their processes in a bubble. And so it's isolated. It's almost like, you know, if you go to Galapagos Islands and you have these weird creatures that have evolved mm-hmm. into these, they're not like anywhere else. They, they were developed in isolation. Right. And so a lot of times the ideas that get shared in there, they're not recycled from somebody else. It's somebody had a need and they duct taped it together backwards, perfected over some time, and they say, here. And it saves me three years. The main thing for me was time compression. Yeah. I'm very conscious of time. And so when I think about, yeah, I can figure this out. 
I can figure this out in probably two or three years. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> I can figure this out in a couple of months and how much money would I have lost in the three months from me, you know, from me getting this in place now to the three years when I figure it out. Right. So you and I, we look at opportunity costs. If I uh, don't absolutely. do this, how much am I costing? Myself? Some people look at the cost of the investment. I'm looking at yeah. the cost of what we're going to lose by not doing it. Dude, that's abs- that's probably, you just probably encapsulated that thought perfectly. That's absolutely my thoughts are, what's it cost me to not do it? Yeah. You know? Okay, so going back to now, you went you went to uh, uh, um, an event in California, mm-hmm. and like, all right, I'm going to wholesale now. So what was that transition like? You know, I the, the plan was, so when I went there, I said, okay, I don't really know how to wholesale yet. It was just one week weekend event, and I said, okay, but I was I was getting getting nuggets from people each time these masterminds would meet. It was still primarily flipping. The really the transition to that. It's kind of a funny story, but the whole intent behind it was to start being able to source our own deals. And kind of what happened was we had a flip we thought we'd make about 50, 55K on. It wasn't a big, big house. It was like a 250, 250 sales price. We got some pretty good return on that considering the work. And, you know, there was overage. It was a hoarder house. Um, long story short, at the end of it, you know, we got to the end getting ready to sell it. There was an appraisal. That, there was an excellent comp, the exact same house. 400 yards away that fell out of being a comp like six days before. It was the same, like 14 square foot difference. Mm-hmm. Appraiser, uh, appraiser comes in at the end, knocks off like 12K. And so now we're sitting there looking at 30K, or do we wait six months, which, you know, your holding costs on the stuff, or do you just say, okay, we're selling it? Well, we ended up making like 31, and I know the wholesaler made 30. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I can screw this up for a few months figuring out how to do it and not get a deal, and it's the same as paying one assignment fee. Yeah. So really the whole idea was, all right, well, let's just throw money at it and figure it out so that we're not dependent. And along the way, let's just source our own deals. The way the wholesaling really started, man, was a funny story. I get a a call from an old lady, and at this time it was just the two of us. And she says, well, I I think I'm ready to sell my house now. And I said, okay. She goes, you know, when you guys came by and you talked to us, and I just don't think I was ready, you're the, the," and she names the company. And I said, well, we do that, but... But that, that wasn't us. And I'm trying to tell this, like, yeah, you got the wrong number. Mm-hmm. She's insistent. And then light bulb is stupid, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because in my immediate, I go, well, yeah, yeah, we do that. So then it clicks around. So anyway, long story short, this accidental phone call, and I was just doing SEO. I wasn't even marketing in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we end up buying this thing, closing it, designing it, sight unseen, made 25K the first one, and the light bulb goes off. And you go, okay, first, fl- first wholesale is 25K. Mm-hmm. We should probably do this again. Yeah. And at that point, the decision was, all right, figure out now how to build it. Mm-hmm. So, but it was really just dumb luck. The first one, it was. So then, at that time, because I know you're flipping now. Yeah. Did flipping go on the back burner then? Yeah, we're trying to get it in the back burner. So right now, we're doing doing kind of a mixture. Mm-hmm. So there's some flips. We just sold our last really big one. We've got one that's pretty sizable. On uh, one that's going on in North Carolina right now. The other, there's a whole tail that just left it. So there's a few. But what we're really trying to do right now is let flipping only be about 25 percent of the business, yeah. um, and only really, really clean stuff. It would have to be. It would just have to be a can't miss for it to be any of the flips that we've typically done, you know, in the larger than the 350, 450, mm-hmm. 450 range. Um, we're kind of staying away from those right now, but wholesales, we're really hot on wholesales right now. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, what we want to make sure we can do is elaborate on wholesale this. Oh, okay. So it's basically, it's like the one I was telling you before we started. So yeah. there was a, a pro- property, it looked list ready. The owner discovered right before she listed with an agent, she was literally days away from listing. She needed a new roof. Didn't have $8,000, $7,000 for a new roof. Didn't want to be a landlord again because the last uh, tenants had torn up the house, but it looked great. 
So she says, okay, well, I'll sell it to you, um, 114K. Okay, great. Needs a roof. So it's wholesale is basically you buy something. It's almost like you, you buy it, maybe throw some little lipstick on it, and then you just resell it again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't do anything at all to it. So we literally bought this thing, put a roof, and hired a cleaning crew. Relisted it, went under contract in eight days for 162. Yeah. But we literally just put a roof on it and cleaned it up. And uh, that's kind of the model we want to go to. We don't really want to be heavily in, in invested in properties anymore mm-hmm. just because I, you know. Well, I, I see some of you guys at Flips. They look really good. Oh, thank you, man. It's Those are the fun ones. Like, they're yeah. fun. Those big ones are fun, but they come with, you know, the headaches that come with when you do really big flips. Appraisal, permits. Yeah. So, yeah. one thing that uh, when we first connected, you were doing, uh, stuff, was it Raleigh? Yeah. Okay, so I guess let's talk about the virtual component yeah. of your business. Yeah. So, you're here. Yeah. Why are you not kicking butt here? Why are you kicking butt across the country? Well, you know I like to lay low, right? So yeah. we're actually coming back here now. We're doing yeah. a little bit of stuff here. But part of what part of what we were doing um, initially is just the cost of marketing here, which is so outrageous. And after spending, you know, we don't have a whole lot of money when you first start doing something for marketing. Mm-hmm. And you realize, partly from the masterminds, what some guys are spending. It was really just a proof of concept to go somewhere where, okay, we know a couple of people here. Um, it's a smaller market. Let's practice and save money here. We had some roots there because the pharma company was headquartered mm-hmm. outside of Raleigh. And so Raleigh was just kind of the start of it. And then the other the other cities there, it was just kind of a snowball. They just, marketing and deals start coming. And we start looking at the margins and what it costs. And so I realized I was spending a third of my marketing budget that I would spend here. Mm-hmm. And so that's really how that was born. I think that the other thing was that, remember that first call, I mean, it was like Lake Havasu. Hadn't been there since... 2003. Yeah. So I'm going, okay, well, if I can, it's a four hour drive away. Why can't they do something that's four hour flight away? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the same, same effort. And that was really it. But it was this dumb accident that yeah. really just said, okay, well, let's figure out how to do this somewhere else. So you're intending to go to Raleigh because you already had your roots there. Yeah. So then yeah. let's talk about, you know, if you wanted to expand to another market, what, what were the first things you did when you went to, to Raleigh? So one thing, I knew it had a good, good job market, mm-hmm. right? I knew it had a lot of schools, uh, highly educated population. I knew it was growing, you know, similar with Charlotte, mm-hmm. center of banking, um, you know, high earners moving there, housing shortage. So I looked at some of those opportunities and even go as far as to pick up some local publications like, you know, Business Journal, Raleigh, Business Journal, Charlotte, to kind of find out what businesses are doing there as well. So we could look at population data, we look at housing data, sales data, days on market Partners data. in all this, not you. You know, it was my idea. <laughs> it was my idea for some of that. Um, but most of that, yeah. But like the business journal, all that kind of stuff, I look at that stuff, but it was really just kind of sitting down and going, hey, this is what we need to do to figure out, let's do another market. Well, yeah. why do you want to do that? Well, it, why not? We did it once. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of the idea was to be able to insulate, kind of like spread out on ice and insulate yourself against market changes where mm-hmm. if it gets really, really brutal in one, one area, okay, well, I'm spread out on the ice. I don't fall through because I'm not concentrated in one area. Mm-hmm. So it was just really looking at that data. And even like in one of the cities, military. So, you know, there's always going to be uh, a, a strong pull for, you know, th- there's going to be renters everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're going to be buy and hold investors. Yeah. And they don't know how to find properties. So it was really just looking at the makeups of the cities looking at the education system and looking at is there growth yeah um and that's just really kind of how it happened some of them one of them it's kind of a small town that deals just kept popping up because i think it's just kind of secondary tertiary markets one of the majors and it turned out to be a really sweet market just because it was close to another one so kind of what we did for virtual is looked at okay let's not necessarily go in particularly with how we marketed some of the secondary markets became a lot more attractive than the primary large ones just be based on the competition in them 
and what I was willing to spend to get deals there. Mm-hmm. You know, so you did the research. Yeah, figured out where you want to be. What was the first thing you did to lead gen? Paperclip. Yeah, paperclip. That's that's up until probably about six months ago. We were ninety-five percent paperclip. Yeah, and uh, just reason being, I mean, we we didn't really have the manpower to take a bunch of calls coming in. We were still flipping, uh, you know, still doing quite a bit of flipping, and so just stretched. It was like it's so much easier if people are calling in and they're already motivated. Yeah, and so it was just paperclip. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your paperclip strategy then. Yeah. Right. So. You're paying, and for guys that don't know pay-per-click, you want to explain what pay-per-click is? Yeah, absolutely. So Google Ads, when you go on Google and you say, hey, uh, you know, diet food for my fat cat, you know, and the stuff that comes up, you know, that ad you click, you know, for diet cat food, you know, that's <laughs> pay-per-click. You click it and it costs somebody money. Yeah. So it's a bidding process. You know, it's, you know, are you at the top of the page or at the bottom of the page? And most people don't really pay attention to that and realize whenever you do a Google search, the top three or four positions are ads, the bottom three or four positions are ads. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, a lot of the times what people do is they try to make sure, obviously, they want to be on the first page because 94% of traffic never leaves page one, mm-hmm. but it costs. And if other people are also engaged in that same strategy, the cost goes way up. Yeah. Um, but it's just a function of not really knowing how to do some of the other things and not really having the manpower to do them that we just continue to do that out there. So then you go, you get the, so that's, that's the way you get people in. Yeah. So that's two things, right? That yeah. Who's doing your pay-per-click management and who's handling the website? So I was doing it at first, and then I hired a company to have, you know, to be hands-off to buy more time because I just didn't like managing it. And then my idea was I spent a lot of time. I'm kind of a, a nerd and things, and, I'm, I'm a, and so I learned how to do it. I'd spend long days learning it, but I didn't want to be managing it. And so I hired a company that was naive to really the, the real estate space. They could probably sell skateboards like nobody's business, but mm-hmm. they didn't really understand the space. So my thinking was, we'll just kind of do a synthesis of what I understand and what they understand. And I'll kind of guide them on what they should be doing. And they do the legwork. Mm-hmm. And so we did that for probably about six or eight months. And I just kept catching things that I thought they should catch. So now, I, so they went away. Um, they got freed, released. Is that what you said? <laughs> let, let go. go. They got let yeah, go. they got let go. Yeah. And uh, so I manage it now. So, yeah. and have been. So outside of that small period, I manage the pay-per-click. Okay. And who's managing the, who's, who's handling the websites? Uh, Carrot. Carrot. Yeah, so okay. Carrot websites. All right, so you go through Carrot, yep. and then someone goes, they do a search, buy my house fast, yep. Raleigh, and they go to your site, and mm-hmm. then they register. Yep. What happens then? So then the lead comes in, and if it's, and there's a site for each city, the lead comes in and goes to lead manager. So it goes in both the mailbox, and then it populates in our, our CRM, which is Podio, mm-hmm. and we have the investor fused. Uh, we're still on the original investor fused, the, the 1.0. Okay. And the overlay that comes in there goes to the lead manager. She calls and qualifies. Mm-hmm. And so our, our lead manager actually does, she's got, she's got pretty fair amount of training on comps, too, so she can eyeball things. And so what she'll do not only was she rate, okay, is it a 30-day hot or is it a warm, you know, 30 to 90 or 30, 60 day, or is it cold, but also rate uh, preliminarily, is it an A, or is it a B, or is it a C based on opportunity? Mm-hmm. Because what was happening is you get a bunch of hots and the ones that are trash leads, you don't know that when you look at it initially, it's, they're all hot. Yeah. So now before it comes to anybody, it comes to her, she assigns it to either myself, the acquisition manager. Okay. So you guys are calling this, and then how are you guys closing them, right? Because there's two different schools of yeah. thought. And you're, you're virtual, right? Yeah. So there, there's the close it over the phone mm-hmm. or this go in person. Yeah. And you're since you're on the other side of the country, Yeah. what are you guys doing? It's Everything's over the phone. Even the stuff here mm-hmm. is over the phone. 
Okay. It's just, and again, you know, it's it's kind of the template was laid out by that first one. Mm-hmm. And it said, okay, everything was done over the phone. So everything's, it's still done over the phone. Yeah. I think only, only in an instance where somebody absolutely demanded to have a person would I be concerned yeah. about that. And if it's in North Carolina, there's a couple of people that you can send, but they're not acquisitions. They're not trained. They're just, you'd basically be having realtors going and parroting points that you want to do and just give them something comfortable. Give them a checklist. Yeah, like we had one lady, she wanted to go and she wouldn't sign anything until she could be in front of a person. We sent her to the law firm. We were using the clothes. Mm. She just wanted to be in an F, you know, in a building. Right. Four, four, four walls and a roof. So we sent her there. Mm-hmm. But almost, almost everything is, I would say 95%, uh, 98% is over the phone. All right. So you're closing over the phone. Yeah. Then you guys have boots on the ground, right? Someone's Sometimes. Out, someone, I mean, are you guys closing the properties without ever look, going inside it? Sometimes they are. If the numbers are really, really good. Yeah. But but a lot of times, so if you're signing it, what we'll do, we'll get somebody. We always have those people that will call us. And what we do is we have them send us pictures of the property themselves, mm-hmm. right? It's not just so that we can see what it looks like. It's also what a lot of people don't get is it's a gauge of uh, commitment. Mm-hmm. It's a how invested are you? You know, if you live 30 minutes away and you drive, you're taking pictures. It's a gauge of motivation. You're really motivated to get away from this because you're driving in rush hour, 30 minutes to go take pictures for us. Yeah. So we send them a checklist of kind of which pictures we're looking for. They send them back. And at that point, if we go, okay, if we may buy it and close on it, then we'll send out uh, our guy that we've got that's in kind of in the eastern part of the Carolinas. We'll have mm-hmm. to look at it. But we also did one, uh, Mount Holly and some stuff out in Charlotte where we didn't have anybody. And it was just took a look at pictures. We're looking at, you know, foundation. We're looking at, um, you know, the the, you know, the big ticket items. You know, it's got plumbing issues, electrical, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then you put it under contract and it's on it. There's an out if there's something major. But I always let people know, hey, listen, if we find something and we have to come back and, and renegotiate this, you can walk away from the contract. We don't lock you in. If there's if the number I told you and the number that we're going to do, mm-hmm. you've got all, all the opportunity in the world to say, I'll walk away. But I'm going to explain it to you why we have to readjust. Right. So there's a lot of education that goes on in that. Okay. So, and you guys are in Carolina, you guys are an attorney state. Yeah. Um, but being an attorney state, you guys don't have to all be at the table. No, no. Okay. We've, we've never clo- we've never gone there. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily you, just somebody representing you. Yeah, no, we've never seen anybody. Okay. So, it's, um, so that's wholesaling. Yeah. Uh, is that the only market? So, you guys are, are, are back in Phoenix. Oh. So, you guys are doing it virtually. Now you guys are in Phoenix. Is, yeah. are, are those the two markets that you guys are in? Yeah, so the Carolinas, and each one of those cities is different. So, there's six, mm-hmm. so there's... We're just dabbling kind of like in the Winston, Winston-Salem area and all that stuff. But Charlotte, um, Raleigh, uh, Rocky Mountain, which is outside of it, you know, Raleigh, Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Um, dabble a little bit in South Carolina and some of Mississippi. And we've got a few other markets that we're looking at. We're just doing the research phase right now. Yeah. But uh, probably in the next week, and we've, we're pretty far along in that determination. It's just figuring out which one of the two. We've kind of got it down to two that we're, we're going to go into. Um, and then one of them here, we're looking at doing some stuff down in Tucson and coming back here. Okay. We just don't want to be spread because one of the mistakes we did is tackled a bunch of them at once before we fully understood all of them. Yeah. And that's how I had the first flop. It was Hell House. You know, and we're like, yeah. yeah, let's not do that again. Right. So. Okay. So one of the things we talked about is um, you had, well, let's, let's go with the, the, the nice, very well-paid vacation. Okay. Okay. Right. So, so you you you're you're handling all these transactions. Mm-hmm. What's different if you're if you're able to do this virtually mm-hmm. in Phoenix for the Carolinas? Yeah. When you go on vacation, nothing really changes. Nothing changes. Yeah. Nothing changes. The only thing is you, you got to be mindful that maybe you don't get to enjoy every minute of your vacation if you take calls. And that's yeah. why I was like, okay, we need to bring somebody else on. Mm-hmm. But nothing changes. And so the yeah. idea is, you know, for me, you know, a, a lot of the vision and how we started was there was this book I read. A friend of mine. Uh, and Carlin years ago turned me on to a call the four hour work week with Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss. 
Great book. And yeah, the idea, all I ever wanted, I never wanted to come on and say, hey, there's a dollar amount I have to make. I just wanted freedom of location, freedom mm-hmm. of building, you know, and, and to be able to work when I want to, because I can work really long days if when I feel like not doing it, I stop for two hours and then I come back and I give you six more. And I've never really cared about, you know, somebody start time and stop time. In fact, just recently, we just went to a four and a half day work week mm-hmm. where Fridays, everybody gets off. They, they go home at lunchtime because Friday afternoons are slow. We shifted. And so my thing was a lot of days when there's nothing really happening, go home because I'm not right. paying you to be here. I'm paying you for the value to bring for the, to, the, to the hour. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nothing changes. So how long were you gone? Uh, 10 days. 10 days? Yeah. Well, I must have been really awful making 75K. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then you've also had a couple of uh, 200K months. Yeah. What was happening? What was popping that was working for you that you were able to hit that threshold? Flips. A couple of flips just kind of lined up in mm-hmm. the right time. I mean, they just dropped it. And some of the, you know, some of the flips, are, I mean, you're, again, they're like one deal that we bought. You know, we bought it at like 160 and sold it for 400. Mm-hmm. That was a good. It's all right. That was a, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, but then you've had some other ones where you you know it's ninety five, hundred, you know, and they just fall in the same month. So it's not necessarily that we did something phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It just had rolled. In fact, it could have been that other one got delayed a little bit. It was supposed to close a month before. Yeah. But that's happened a couple of times. Yeah. So you go, okay, it's great. And it, really, it was instrumental in really getting the, the wholesaling side of things off the ground because we went through some growing pains in, in Q two of this year, and because we made the decision last year, we're going to now have to hire if we don't want to be stuck doing. You know, because flipping and wholesaling, they really are two very separate businesses. Mm-hmm. And running both of them, they're just, they, the demands are so different. Yeah. And what was funny is we had this integration of the two because one was feeding the other one. But then what do you do with the surplus? you got to figure out how to sell them. It's not as easy as, hey, I just do an ad and it gets, you know, people snake you. There's all kinds of stuff that can happen. So we made the decision to do some hires um, after one of those really big months. And we said, mm-hmm. okay, we can be skinny and completely screw up, you know, for a quarter. Mm-hmm. And get things right because when you you know when you hire people you have to be committed. To, I'm going to slow down to speed up because they're going to come on and a lot of times they're not going to be very good at first. Mm-hmm. You got to be okay with that. You're human. There's going to be you're going to suck before you're good. Um, and so that was really just the idea. So okay, great. Not going to starve to death for 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 a quarter. Let's bring some folks on. But yeah. it's really just the flips were the real real big pops. And then there are a couple of good wholesales, but you know just easy ones where okay you you pull twenty here and it was two hours of work. Yeah. So I'm not one of those guys that looks at a wholesale fee and says, hey, that's too small for me to do anything. You know, we had working on acquisition manager and it's from weeks and weeks and weeks and newer. And it was a small deal, but it was for me, psychologically, it was important for that first kill to be his own. Mm-hmm. So I don't care that it's only 3K and you spent all this time. You need to know that you can do it. Yeah. You know, invest in it. And I'm willing to lose money while you get good because I'm invested in you long term. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be here. I want you to be good enough to do it on your own, but I'm going to treat you well enough that you want to stay. Yeah. And that's really the idea of everybody that's in, you know, in the organization is that's how we roll. Everybody's, everybody eats or nobody does. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so one of the things uh, you said to me, uh, so for you guys that don't, aren't coming to our masterminds, or not masterminds, our monthly meetups, like Brian and I were always hanging out. Gets a little competitive sometimes in the basketball <laughs> contest. Uh, but one of the things that you, you said to me, and it really stuck with me, was that professionals sort and amateurs convince. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did say that to you, man. So you want to elaborate on that? Because I've said that a few times, but it's better if it comes from you. Well, you know, one of the things is, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, and that kind of actually, you know, at some point in time, I had some business dealings um, and, you know, direct direct sales companies. And that was one of the things is what you're looking for people. A lot of the mistakes I think that new people do, and they have trepidation mm-hmm. about calling people. It feels 
ominous to have to call somebody you don't know and convince them. Mm-hmm. You know, and the idea was just really, hey, look, you're just looking for who's you're. You're not looking for people. You're looking for problems. I mean, you're not looking for properties. You're looking for problems, mm-hmm. and you're just sorting for who has a problem, who doesn't have a problem. You know, if you think, hey, they've got a lot of equity, but they have zero interest selling. Don't waste your time trying to hammer them, get them to sell in two years. Yeah. You know, don't be a prisoner of hope. Find out who, what's your, what's your avatar? Who are you looking for? And then it's just a matter of, would you like some more coffee? Yes. Would you like some more coffee? No. Would you like some more coffee? No. You're just looking for the guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. The barista doesn't get upset that you said no. You don't want more coffee. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Are you a yes or are you a no? Both are fine. I just want to know which one you are. Yeah. But don't try to convince somebody who doesn't have a problem. It doesn't work. Right. You know. Um, okay. So. Going back to a lot of peers in this market, and maybe we already covered this, but how are your how is your operation different than some of the peers in our market? Well, you know, we like I said, we operated. Jesse called me a hermit and said, "Yeah, you know, we're not out much and all that stuff." <laughs> so I think I think a lot of it is just developing an isolation and not mm-hmm. even knowing all you guys were here until you know, like when I met you. And I got to tell you guys how I first met Steve too. This is kind of deviating a little bit. So I go to a meetup. I don't know if you had your podcast yet, or if it, if you did, I didn't know you had a mm-hmm. podcast. And I saw the meetup and I said, I just need to meet some more folks who are doing this. And the coolest thing, there's some people, a couple of people I had seen who I hadn't seen for a while. Jesse was one of them. I hadn't seen him for like two years. Um, But I walk in, there's an area of familiar face except for his. Mm -hmm. And one I had kind of seen in there. Steve walks over, introduces himself, kind of introduces me to some other people. Um, And it was just the most gentlemanly and profoundly professional, just kind thing to do. So I remember I sent you that messenger, yeah. and I was like, dude, that was just, I really appreciate it. Because I'm not shy, mm-hmm. but you didn't know that. Here's right. a new face I haven't seen. He walked over, took time away, because, you know, you're the, you're the guy in the center of this. Mm-hmm. And walked over and introduced, and I, I just, I never forgot that. Just a genuinely good, kind guy, man. But the, how we're different, I think, is that that same thing, being isolated, I think we just figured out stuff, and there wasn't a template that we followed. Mm-hmm. Everybody's virtual. I don't see anybody. We even have like virtual lunches together where everybody's on Google Hangout. We buy lunch. We all eat lunch together at our That's not a real place. thing. Yeah, it, it's really it's a real thing. We have virtual lunches. We've done we've done virtual brown bag. Yeah, dude. We uh, we start our meetings. We used to when Game of Thrones is still on. Every Monday morning meeting, the first fifteen minutes was a Game of Thrones recap. And like, if you're not on the call, if you didn't watch it, you get kicked off the call. Like literally, get off the phone, and then you get to come back. You know, after you finish. So it's just, man, it's a really good vibe, man. I think yeah. we were really, really deliberate about building a culture. You know, I'm a big Richard Branson fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the idea it was just culture and cohesiveness. And I was really I was really aware of, I think, you know, the leader is not the most important. The first follower is. Mm-hmm. The first follower is who everybody turns to to follow up, figure out how they should treat the leader and what to make of them. Mm, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so it was very – there was actually a um, – I think it was a TED Talk. Right, mm-hmm. seen this years, years ago, and it was really profound. And I thought, yeah, because somebody comes on, there's only so much they can say to you when you're steering the ship. But they're going to go to someone else and go, so what's really the scoop here? Yeah, you know. And if they're not lockstep in that first person, if there's only two of you and you make a bad hire, fifty percent of your company is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a great you know? book. Oh, I cannot remember the name of the book. Uh, it kills me right now. Uh, but basically, it was like, if you're going to try to get buy-in, don't announce, make the announcement to everybody all at once. Yeah. Go talk to all the influential people. Tell them why you're doing it. Yeah. Tell them why it's important. Yeah. And then when you make the announcement to every for the first time to everybody. For the first time. <laughs> right. Right. And all everyone that's that's bought in, now your vision is yeah. easier to cement your vision. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, man. What if you go out and you hire five people, now you're outnumbered and nobody mm-hmm. follows your vision? Yeah. You've got chaos. And there's <laughs> enough you know, what you just happened before came down. There's enough <laughs> chaos every day. And I tell people, I say, guys, you know I'm I create chaos. We just had a new hire that started last week. And I told her, just give me a heads up. I, 
I cause chaos. Yeah. I do. I come out looking at something. There's a better way of doing this. And I mix it all up. <laughs> and it's like, help me figure it out. Okay, I got to do this next thing. So right. fortunately, the integrator mm-hmm. can say, okay, let's put this together. This is how this can work. But I'm like, I know this works. It needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But again, you got to go and have the buy-in where somebody says, all right, when you scramble the eggs like this, I got it. Okay, yeah. great. I'm at liberty. I'm free to do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Is go and talk to people. Make sure they understand what you're doing. Um, and just because you have, you know, a, a title, I don't mean anything. You mm-hmm. know, if nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. So. Yeah, small company titles, I mean squat. Nothing, nothing. Because, I, you know, there was a whole lot of things where I was out doing, you know, sleeves rolled up and shoveling rocks. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need to be done, you yeah. know. I mean. Um, so oh, I was going to ask you something else about that. Dang it. All right. So um, Asai wants to know what kind of marketing are you doing for virtually? We're going to talk pay-per-click. Is there anything else you guys are doing? Yeah. So pay-per-click and cold calling. Cold so pay per click, cold calling, and texting. Okay. We just we just started. Um, we just got the software to start doing um, ringless voicemail. Mm-hmm. We don't know how it's going to work, so we're willing really to just test. But one of the reasons we did pay per click just started going way up. Mm-hmm. Like wait, when I talked three four times, what it was, and so it's crazy. Yeah, it, I, there was literally a click for mobile homes. I remember this. One of the marks they used to be about about a dollar fifty a click. Mm-hmm. I saw it for sixty four dollars like two weeks ago. <laughs> and I never I had a cow. I looked at it. I said, well, obviously, can't do this. But fortunately, we had the, the, the vision, you know, back in that second quarter for that. Let's bring some people on to diversify how we're going to market because I suspect they'll be creep as things get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And again, you want to spread out the ice and be able to do this because this is working great. So right now, that's what we're doing. It's still probably about 60% pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. But like today, the phones are going, going insane. So a whole lot of texting and cold calling. Probably going. doesn't help. If your virtual market is North Carolina and our buddy Max is over there telling yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know. Sponsoring on Carrot. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I suspect some of this had something to do it. And then there's a couple of guys here. There's a big guy here who uh, his phone, maybe one of his old phone numbers just last week called us. And I'm like, why the hell is he calling our number? So it, it, it had his name on the call ID. So I called back and I I don't know who that is. But I think it was maybe one of his old phone numbers that he was using and mm. it became somebody else. So the guy said, yeah, I've had this cell phone number about six months now. But mm. I'm like, okay, this Eric, oh, you're there too. So yeah. I think there are a number of guys here, the cats out in there out in that mm-hmm. area too. And that's kind of coincided directly where I saw. Yeah, well, this. 2018 is when we, I stopped doing pay-per-click, right? So like yeah. 2012 is when I started. And back in 2012, doing pay-per-click in Phoenix, it was me, Sean Terry, and a couple of other guys who Dude. I don't even know who they are. Yeah. Right? And so I was paying like $1.30, $1.60 a <laughs> click. Really? And, and $12.50 for registration. Today, Jeez. Today, if I'm not paying $40, there's no point in playing. At all. Yeah. At all. Dude, some of these, there are $98 clicks, $90 clicks now, and some of these smaller tertiary markets. Yeah. And I'm going, well, I'm just not doing that. Right. But fortunately, it wasn't. It didn't wait up until the problem realized itself. It was anticipation and saying, because mm-hmm. I tell you, my only job is to anticipate opportunities and threats. Yeah, that's it. Everything else, three decisions a day. All I'm trying, all I'm good for is three decisions a day. That's what I try to do: make three good decisions a day. Mm-hmm. That's my role. Um, and looking at, there were just markers that things were going to go crazy. And now, if that was the only thing that we had, mm-hmm. I mean, we spent double in pay per click last month than we did the month before. And I have a full month of data now because we're, what, in the 2nd of October? Today's the 2nd. Mm-hmm. So I can look at the data, and it is double from the month before with no more no more activity than the month before. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it just at some point it's diminishing return. You go, okay, I'll do something else. Um, so what is – Lucas Orozco wants to know, what's your average pay-per-click uh, 
costs per lead and per deal? Pay-per-click is 3255. 3255 17. 3255 17. 3255 do I? <laughs> oh. These people that are like, they'll show up and like, do you really think this is how the world works? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about like, are your, are your standards like way high? What, what is happening in your world that you're finding these people <laughs> that are just like, they're not, they're not doing drugs on site and they're already fired in the first day. Uh, that the one guy was doing drugs on site and he got fired the first day. <laughs> that actually was a guy. That was a guy. Um, where do they come from? I just think, so I used to think it was just the contractor side of things, mm -hmm. right? But I can tell you, I have never once had a flip where a realtor didn't set off the alarm. And there are, there's like in The other realtor, not the listing agent. Not the listing. We No, yeah, not the listing. But the other realtor, there's never been once. Record was something got listed, and within two hours, there's an alarm, and the police are coming, and somebody owes the money, right? Um, I think it's just there are a whole – I think part of what happens is in this industry, there's a really, really low barrier to entry, mm -hmm. right? You can literally say, I am a this now, and you've never had to do anything, but you can call yourself what you want to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's almost like any industry. You can – there's going to be really, really good. Like when I was in pharma, probably 85% of the doctors that I saw, I wouldn't see them from my own personal health. I was like, God, yeah, people trust you. <laughs> but you don't know until you can see behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, man, I think this is the volume of different people that have to come in. Like this last job, there were three, three different crews of framers, three different crews of drywallers, two different crews of plumber, uh, a roofer whose house I had to go to. Um, oh, oh, yeah, what? yeah, because he took money and ran off. And uh, it wasn't even a lot of money. It was the fact that this can't spread to everybody else that so you got paid and ran off. And then mm -hmm. where's somebody that lets you take our money and run off? Yeah. So it was more of like, you're going to be an example, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but I don't know, man. They're just everywhere, man. We Can I, can I tell a funny story about one guy? Yeah. That, all right. So we had a guy who, uh, this is how, so we thought we had a plan that was idiot proof. We were convinced it's idiot proof. That was and the we, first problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was patting myself on the back. I was all wrong. So we had a uh, we had a, a house that had these beautiful uh, stained concrete floors. And, you know, once those get it, nobody can walk on them for a while. We had a guy who was doing cabinets. And everybody, because I don't deal directly with most of the trades guy, everybody has a name. So he's Fred the cabinet guy or John, you know, this guy. Like everybody, I know them by what they do, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy had a tendency of just disappearing. But his prices were great. He's like a third of everybody else. He did good work. And he disappeared because a lot of these guys, they don't have phones or they have accounts. Like, they're just the trades when you do flips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's who's available. So this guy, he disappears. We said, okay, great. Change the lockbox code. Change the alarm codes on the house. We put yellow tape all around. Do not enter. We put a sign in the, on the room that was just recently done. Don't walk in here. All of this stuff. One day the alarm is going crazy, and so there's motion sensors in each room. So, well, I guess we're a cat. What's what's going on in there? So, what had happened is, cabinet guy who had gone missing pops back up after a week. Job's already done, but he pops back up. He just goes to the lockbox, and only a person who's kind of like not right just says, "Let me just try to open it," because there was the code had been changed. The concrete guy 
put the key back in there and never scramble the code. So con cabinet guy, who we think is falling off the edge of the earth, comes back, just tries it, it opens. He goes inside, he's walking over the $6,000 floor job, alarms are going crazy, he can't call us because he doesn't have a phone, the police show up, like it was all of this, and the only thing somebody had to scramble the code. Yeah. I have a hundred of those stories, man, but I don't know, man, I got magic power to do it, man. If you ever need idiots, man, I, I get you some. Yeah. Bottomless. Yeah, yeah. Um, bottomless supply, <laughs> like bottomless mimosas, man, here you go. I don't so, know. you know, one of the things in hanging out, like, People that don't know you don't really get the benefit of, right? You're always dropping nuggets. So you're Am just, I? Yeah, so you got lots of wisdom behind you. So where are you, you know, you do a lot of personal development, you read a lot of books, like what is your... I do, man. I just I just love observation, man. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I um, I do read a lot of books. My Audible, I've, probably, I've got a backlog of probably like 12 books I got to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just, I just have a voracious appetite to learn, man. And I think one of the things is just some humility in that, you know, I'm not a guy that lacks confidence, but I'm also a guy that recognizes other people have a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And so I think every person I meet is my superior in some way. I might not know what it is. It's not readily apparent. And I just listen to people. Mm -hmm. And I look at things and I go, well, what's the why of that? So everything, I, I dissect everything. Like I look at a light pole. And I remember one day I'm driving and I go, I wonder how many people got paid for that. All right, so you had a, a, a timber guy. You had somebody who had to prepare the log. You had somebody mm -hmm. who's operating the saw. You had somebody who's developed the infrastructure. It's logging. It has to get shipped. It has to be stained here. There's nails. So I'm just breaking down, looking at all this stuff, and I'm just curious. I think mm -hmm. the main thing is I'm just curious about naturally everything. Naturally curious man. person. Yeah, I'm naturally curious about everything. Like I'm, I, my last Google search was what would happen if everybody jumped up and down on a plane at the same time. <laughs> and I wasn't the only one. That was a search. Other people <laughs> wonder that same thing, man. But I think that's it, just listening to people, man. You know, I get around folks, and they just, guys say a lot. And I try to, I try to I'm very particular about, I'm very, uh, I'm very mindful of how I spend time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I realize one day it runs out. Like yeah. it's, and I'm comfortable with that. But when I spend time around folks, I'm very deliberate who I can spend time with because I only get so much in a day. So it's really, I mean, I'm not gassing you up, but like guys like you who are, guys who contribute that value, it's because most of the people that are around me, I think, are really high functioning people, except mm -hmm. for those guys we just <laughs> talked about. And they just make you better, I think. Yeah. A lot of it's probably stuff I ripped off from people and absorbed it over time and don't even realize where it came from. Yeah. It's not all me. So <clears throat> other part talking about time. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of guys out there that are demanding and requiring of your knowledge without offering anything in value. Yeah. And reaching out to you, sending you messages. Yeah. Right. What <laughs> advice do you want to give to somebody who wants to learn? Yeah. And, and you know, they're behind, they're behind, you know, Facebook Messenger, DM, whatever. Yeah. Uh, how, what advice would you give them? If they actually want to learn from somebody, yeah. what can they do to provide value or, 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 you know, correctly get their message across? Yeah. Because it's hard, right? I say this to you all the time. I go, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Like, I must have said that to you at least a half dozen times, yeah. right? Um, it's Well, I think the first thing is don't be rude. Mm -hmm. Like, I get messages, we've never seen you. I've never seen you. And I lay low. Like, I don't talk about earnings. Like, And you know, we had conversations before. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't want life to get weird if you start saying, hey, this is what we've done. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's the two messages. You know, there's the, hey, this is what you did on vacation. And then there's the other one that says, okay, this is what you do. Because I'm mindful of that, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that will attract a lot of that. And I don't want to be rude to people. Right. And I think until people rec know the chaos of your day, I think they, they need to spend some time just kind of listening to what people are saying their days are like. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot going on. The second thing I think is you got to add value because 
there's really only two things that are value in this business. I mean, and that's time and that's money. Mm-hmm. And if once you start getting money, you've got you've got overhead. You've got other people. I can tell people I start out and I start out negative every month when it comes mm-hmm. up your, your overhead. Um, I don't, but I don't have some of the time they might have. So the first thing you need to do is offer something to value a trade. Because when somebody says, hey, let me take you to lunch, if you've dollarized what an hour of your time is worth, mm-hmm. I'm losing money sitting there eating lunch with you. Even yep. if it's free, mm-hmm. it costs me more than what that hour is worth to me. So what's something that I can't do for myself that you're going to add that value and then follow up? Because I'll tell you, 95% of the people that say, hey, can you help me out? You know, I say, okay, we'll do this. And they disappear. It's mm-hmm. like a magic. Like if you want them to disappear, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, we'll do this first. And they won't do it. Was it you that said, like, give me a call at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning? Nah, dude, <laughs> 6 o'clock? No. <laughs> There are somebody's like, yeah, no problem. Call me at 6 a.m. Yeah, but to see if you'll do it. That's their way to find out whether. Yeah, my acquisitions guy, man, he, uh, so I had him take a uh, Colby, and I mm-hmm. was like, I don't know if I can hire you. You got an F. Like, he literally got an F. In the, been the biggest surprise ever. I love mm-hmm. his work ethic. He surprised me, right? So he took a couple different assessments. But I'll tell you how he even got a foot in the door. The, we got 93 resumes in for this position in a real short amount of time. Only two people submitted videos like I requested. Mm-hmm. So the people who knew me, they thought the emails and stuff were coming to me. They weren't. I had somebody else screening them. If there's no video, trash them. Mm-hmm. So I never even saw that. I said, okay, I can see how many they were coming in. Indeed, they were coming to message, but it was like, will you do the thing? Because are you going to be coachable? The first thing is, are you going to be coachable? Mm-hmm. Because if I've got to run after you to get you to do the things right. Recently, I had somebody who went our separate ways because she just thought she knew it, had never done a deal in her life and was resistant to everything. They pulled her out. So the first thing you got to do is show you're going to be coachable. Second thing, you're going to bring some value. You probably have time that somebody who you want to teach you doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then don't make it be their work to figure out how you're going to be valuable. Show yeah. them. You know, show them how you're going to be valuable. And if you've got more time, show them how you can use that time for them. And that's that's really the thing. Right. That's really the thing. You know, but hey, you, 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 I don't know how many messages you get a day, but. I had over 100 yesterday. I, 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 po- I posted something <laughs> stupid. What did you do? Well, I posted like, here's all the training videos we have. Who wants them? <laughs> so I'm still getting through those. I'm still getting through those. Right. I had somebody send me a message and I had, there was only like 20 of them or something. Yeah. And I didn't reply right away. And then I got the message back. And I don't know, maybe I was being butthurt and sensitive. But she sent back a reply because I hadn't replied in time. And it was just the triple question mark. Mm-hmm. And then me, I like, that's like, WTF, you doing? You're like, what the fuck you do? Like, I, I was insulted by it. I, should I have been or am I reading into it? I don't no, know. No, I already know how you're going to react to it. Yeah, but I'm like, WT, I don't even know who you are. And it's, I, was like, I, I was really going to get to you. Yeah. And now I'm not. And then so you get people, hey, how do you do this? And so my reply often is like, hello? Yeah. Hi. You, you, you know, so don't be rude. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me, and this isn't necessarily for that, but just in general, like when someone has to pick my brain, phone call, whatever, I'll tell them like, if I help you, well, I won't tell them, but if I help them and they do nothing with it, kills me. A little part of me dies inside. Right. Right? Like, I just gave right. you this time. Right. I can't get that time back. Right. And you know, you know what the funny thing is? This is so funny you say that. So I had a relative one time who, uh, uh, man, it, him pissing me off and wasting three hours of my time was one of the best gifts he ever gave me. Yeah. So he wanted to study for his, his GED. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, great. Come on. And this is way back when I was in, I was in undergrad. And I said, okay, we'll come by. And I spent like, I spend like three hours with him. I'm excited for him. I go like, yes, you're finally going to do this. And then he never showed up again. And I was a little pissed, right? Mm-hmm. But I was also disappointed because going, it's not hard. And you showed all this promise. 
But then I realized that, you know, I said, okay, well, from there, I kind of just developed this. If anybody ever asked me to do something, I always ask them to do something first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even my nieces and nephews would tell you, Uncle Brian, if you do A, he'll do B. But they know mm-hmm. I'm not taking the first step ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell people, okay, let's meet next week. Give yeah. me a call on this day. They don't call. And I go, great. I got out of something I don't want to do anyway. Right. And you showed me you weren't really serious about it. And that's because that thing is that little part of me would die and I would find out that I've only got so much time in a day mm-hmm. and I've wasted all this time. And you were on board <coughs> when I was doing the heavy lifting first. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you have to do some work, well, it's not that important. And right. then I just found out. I think that's part of why going back to the, even the message question you asked, I, I hold the position and maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, but I hold the position that most people are going to react that way because mm-hmm. in the moment they're excited, something got energized, and then mm-hmm. life happens. Yeah. You know, your kid's sick. Uh, this, and, they, and I think there's this, over time, you know, the intent, the law, you know, there's diminishing re- intent. I was going to do it, and then two days turns into four, turns into eight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they follow up with you six months later, and a ship sailed. But yeah. I think that's what happens to people. And if you get that 100 times in a day, you'd have no time to run your business. And I don't. Right. I just think people don't really understand how, how many demands are on time. No, they don't. And, you know, for me, like, I, I'm always happy to help. Yeah. But, man, it kills me if you're not going to do anything with it. So, like, if you're yeah. going to ask for help, do something with right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing. And there's a, is there a little bit of pride? Let me, it's like, there's some pride involved, too. Like, you see somebody, like, you can be proud of, mm-hmm. you know, somebody taking a step and knowing you yeah. helped happen. Like, that's, that's the fu- that's the reward. That's fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I just spent two hours and then nothing. And nothing happened. Yeah, I hate yeah. you guys. I hope you have <laughs> ugly children, you know, whatever that is. So, I don't really mean that, maybe. All right. So, um, one question I like to ask everybody is, yeah. what is your why? Dude, you know, it's funny. Um I just went to a mastermind, my friend Steve Richards up in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. um, right outside of it, had this mastermind. One of the things he really did is dug into, uh, it's called, have you ever heard of an Enneagram? Mm-mm. So it's just weird, it's a weird, I just just practiced the word right yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think I was, you know, any mini money mogram, I used to call it. But it basically just digs deep into like personality is really what's important to you. And I realized something, man, I like control, man. Like my wise, I don't like, I don't like somebody else controlling outcomes in my life. I realize I don't like, you know, my livelihood being at somebody else's whim. Uh, I don't like, you know, if something unexpected happens that I don't have a modicum of control over how how I deal with things. And so I I I I like to. I used to say it was freedom, but I realize I'm kind of in that freedom. I want to control my freedoms. I want to minimize other people's influence and what what can happen to mm-hmm. me. And at the same time, with that, that's also. You know, I want to do that for other people that I care about. And so, like, you know, I, I, I don't know if we ever get the real rough patch I had when business, everything, lost everything. Where I have, like, I still have a screenshot of me with, like, 17 cents in my bank account. Like, mm-hmm. it got stuck. And I want to, you know, part of me wants the people that stuck in there and were there, let them know you didn't gamble wrong. Like, I got you. Like, mm-hmm. the, you stayed there during the, you know, during their time. I got you. But that's really it, man. It's just be able to control as much of my day as I can because I'm mindful that, I've only got so many of them left, man, and I'm very mindful of that. You know? Yeah, and I think that's a powerful message. Uh, Brandon said that last week. Joe Dillon said that a few months ago. Like, yeah, uh, the the awareness, yeah, that there is only so much of your time available, and not yeah. to squander it. Yeah, you you know, I mean, because like even when I if I waste time, I'm intentional about when I waste it. Mm-hmm. Like somebody else isn't going to waste it for me. Right. But if I decide I'm doing something, and I'm just going to be, I've planned my activity up to that point to be able to say I'm not doing anything for this eight-hour block um, until I get bored and I get restless and I got to go do something else. Yeah. But that's rare when I can do that. Sounds very much like a driver. 
I might be, and I, you know, I when I I did what's that thing called? Uh, Max something, Max Strengths or something. It was like driver, and I was like, those mm. guys look like they suck. Mm. And I started taking tests, and I was like, well, maybe they don't suck as much. <laughs> you know, I'm like I might be one of those, man. But I'm I'm so chill when people like when the work is done. But I expect you to be excellent, man. Like, yeah. be excellent. I got that same struggle too. I'm yeah. a driver only when I need to be. Yeah. So I hate it when. If I'm if I'm wasting time, like it's no big deal. Yeah. Someone waste my time. Oh my god. Dude, so we're the, yeah, yeah, man. It's the worst thing ever. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm that same way, man. I'm that same way. Uh, so what is your biggest struggle right now? Managing time, man. Man, man managing time. You know, a few months ago would have been raising capital. Now it's managing time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I didn't realize a friend of mine pointed out. He goes, "Dude, you work a lot," and mm-hmm. I think I did because of that flexibility I was talking about earlier. Where I go, "Okay, I'm going to take a break now. I'm going to go do this thing," but it would still be, you know, ten, eleven, twelve hours. You know, five days a week, and then you know, five or six, seven. You know, on on a Saturday, or just want to have downtime, and I'm bored, and I'm pulling my laptop while the game is on, and. You know, just really, I, I struggled with that because I didn't think it was I was doing it a lot. But mm. you know, I realized I neglected a lot of things like my health and being active, and but I didn't feel like because I enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah, you know, so it didn't feel like I was working this long. Like I remember one day when I was learning paper click, sixteen hours straight. I got up and I ate. I brought my food back, and when I was learning it, and I get I can get hyper focused on something, and it's not good, man. It's not good. So I think my main thing is just getting better. I thought I was good at saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as good at saying no as I thought. And then um, really just committing to th- managing my time better, saying, okay, this is my time. I'm going to the gym now because you've gone eight months without going to the gym and that's, you're going to be awful, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's it, man. Managing time and then figuring out what does that look like? Like, I don't even know what that looks like. Like, do I need to get somebody who does certain tasks? Mm-hmm. Do I need to do just less of them? Do I need to change the task that I'm doing? I really don't know the answer. Yeah. But every day can fill up just like that. So I've, I now start blocking certain times where I don't check email in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, my email, if you send me an email, I'm not checking until 1130. And then I'm going to check in again until the end of the day. And whatever comes in between there, you know. I have my phone on um, Do Not Disturb <clears throat> until 11 a.m. every day. Really? How do you manage that? Awesome people, man. I got Max. I got Summer. I got other people around me. Someone Does anybody ever? Voicemail. Really? Oh, all my voices go to my email. And so if it's important, Summer can get through the Do Not Disturb, right? Like my wife. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you've got a couple to do that. Okay. Yeah. But besides that, so if, if it's urgent, Summer will call me. But besides that. Huh. 11 though? How does 11. everybody else feel about it being 11? Uh-huh. If they can't do it, you don't care. Uh-huh. You're like, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, what's Max saying? Like, dude, you're, you're Do Not Disturb till 11. Max gets through. But he can't be on Do Not Disturb if you're on Do Not Disturb. I don't think he can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talk to him, Max. You got to talk about that. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, man. So I, mine is Do Not Disturb until like 7:30, mm-hmm. and then like that first hour, I get up and I I read and then I look at data. Yeah. Like every day, my first hours reading data, and I don't care if the world is on fire. Do not interrupt that first hour. Yeah. I I just I'm kind of a guy that wants to ease into my day. Like my alarm is the most pleasant. Thing that wakes you up, like you wake. Sometimes you just lay there, and even though I'm supposed to get up, it's pleasant to listen to. <laughs> but like being like just woken up abruptly pisses me off. <laughs> so if I wake up and you can become a problem in that first hour, I'm going to give you the worst decision because it was just bothered. So yeah. you know, it's like burn the ships down. I, you know, I don't care. So, so but, you're like the guy that walks around, or the or, or the gal that walks around. I was like, not before my coffee. Yeah, 
And I don't even like coffee that much, but it's a habit. Yeah. Like these, when I was in sales, I used to have one of these before big sales calls. Mm-hmm. And so I went and got one today because that's just like my habit. Mm-hmm. But they don't really taste that good. I just. Oh, if you're getting sugar free, as You know, and then I'm not a sweets guy. Yeah. So, but you know, I'm nachos all day, baby. But not a sweets guy. What is the greatest lesson you've ever learned? Ever? Mm-hmm. That's a big question. Mm-hmm. The greatest lesson I've ever learned? Mm-hmm. I'm stumped. Um, I'll have to pick a category. I'll have to pick a Like my greatest lesson in with dealing with people, like mm-hmm. can I narrow it down? Sure. Like, was that people will do things in spite of you uh, often, but not to spite you. And that we can sometimes take what's happened and personalize it because we have unmet expectations. And they're just doing what makes sense for them. And mm-hmm. it's not to spite you. It's really just in spite of you. And it allowed it allows a whole lot of understanding. Um, it allows you preservation of relationships when people do things to disappoint. And you realize it wasn't at me. Mm-hmm. It was for them. And it w- wasn't at me. And that's probably that's probably the greatest people lesson that I yeah. ever learned. They're going to do what yeah. they're going to do. Yeah. And they, they're, it's, it's not to hurt me at all. Yeah. A lot of times they're not even thinking about me. Yeah. You know, and that and that was that was one of those things where because there was some I was used to be one of those guys where I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And it, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, that, you're not them. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, good thing you're not them because yeah. yeah, then you'd be in violation of what you wouldn't do. You know, <laughs> but that's probably the greatest lesson I've learned with dealing with people. So I'm gonna let you think about one last thought you want to leave with the listeners while I make a couple of quick announcements. Okay, guys, Friday in Houston, whole scaling live. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna actually do three things at in Houston. So on Friday, I'm going to do the perfect seller appointment. On Sunday, I'm going to talk about building your empire and leaving a legacy. And then I'm going to do an hour of Q&A of just anything and everything goes. Um, it's, it's important to me that everyone comes. If you're in Texas, there's no reason not to be there, right? It's, it's three hours from Dallas. I don't know how many hours from San Antonio. Uh, but there's no reason not to be there. So, guys, uh, I'm going to be there. Again, I'm going to talk about the perfect seller appointment. I'm going to talk about how to build your legacy uh, so that you can have an army of people that are working with you to pursue your vision. And then an open hour, uh, just Q&A. Anything goes, any question you've got, I'm happy to answer them for you. It could be about business, it could be personal, whatever. Happy to answer those questions for you. Uh, so go to wholescalinglive.com, put an RED for 25% off. And then Brian and I are going to be sharing a stage in Biloxi, October 25th to 27th, for uh, Real Estate Roundup Live. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to be feeling good on Saturday when I speak. I can't speak for Brian because we're going to get drunk on Saturday night. No. <laughs> um, but if you guys want to go check us out, it's bit.ly slash R-E-R live, B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-E-R live. And then we're finishing the year in New Orleans with Chris Rude in December 6th through 8th. Uh, go to, it's 2019 Skillathon, bit.ly slash 2019 skill. Again, it's bit.ly 2019 skill. And so... With that, last thoughts. Last thought. God, man, the audience, so your audience, a lot of it, there's newer people, a lot of newer people too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good healthy mix, but predominantly newer. Predominantly newer. I think the newer people really won't care a whole lot about like later down the road stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like in the first thing, how do I get my first deal? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? And to that, I would say probably as a newer person, um, people always say consistency, but it's not just consistency, right? I think for, I think chunks, doing things in consistent chunks is probably the best step that a newer person can can make. 
Um, if you're going to knock on door, what people tend to do, if you're say you're knocking on doors, so you do ten a day. You know, it's the same as read a book ten pages a day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the year, you've read three thousand six hundred fifty pages, right? Mm-hmm. Math, right? And you're a completely different person after having digested the knowledge from however many years it took people to put together those three, four, five, or seven books that you've digested. You're mm-hmm. different. Yeah. You can't just go read them all in New Year's and think you're going to get the same effect. And it's the same thing that the th- little things that people do, they cascade. Like my day from yesterday to today, so I'm, you know, it, it can change instantly. And if you haven't done the little steps incrementally, repeatedly, so they can compound for you, it seems a lot harder than it is because this isn't rocket science. No, it's not. It's not rocket science. I mean, it's just, it's mundane. It can be disappointing. Um, but if your goal isn't, I can, I can succinctly put, if you focus on activity and not outcomes, you feel great about yourself. Mm-hmm. Just focus on the activity. If it works, sometimes it's not going to work and it's nothing you did that mm-hmm. make it not work. Some, the variables outside of control made something not work. But you can control if you put out, you know, 20 signs, you know, a day. Mm-hmm. Every single, you can control if you get on the phone, even though you hate talking to people, you right. know, and you call 50. Focus on activity and not outcomes. And then when it's uh, it's really unexpected, when a lot of stuff comes out, wouldn't it turn into wholesale out of some weird unexpected thing that didn't come up because we're doing SEL that mm-hmm. we're mad that wasn't working, you know? So that would be the last thing I'll leave is focus on, focus on activity and not outcomes. Yeah, this is an unpopular team, but the Patriots. Yeah. Right? Trust the process. Dude. I love the Pats, man. Yeah. I love the Pats, but for that same reason. Yeah. Insert the next guy and just, we're going to do it this way repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Stop us. It works. It, <laughs> it works. It, it, it just, it only works. Yeah. You know, and guys that have done this before you, before me, I mean, you've, I didn't realize how much longer you'd been in real estate than I had been, and I'm going, yeah. dude, you're probably wise as shit, you know? And I'm Doing going, right. you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, okay, well, I'm not going to, there's things I'm just not going to figure out. Yeah. I'm going to ask somebody who's done it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to consistently, if that's my goal is to ask people, I'm going to consistently ask people. Yeah. And, you know. So how should someone get a hold of you? Facebook if they're not rude, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they're not rude, Facebook, you know. But, uh, you know, but that's really about it, man. I got somebody, somebody um, talk to me about not being on IG. <laughs> you know, and I'm on there. I think it's Johnny Quest on IG and Property Card was a company, but I'm not on there much because yeah. that's probably one of those things I need to get somebody to help me do yep. and stay on there. I just forget it. It exists. <laughs> until, but yeah, definitely Facebook, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. No doubt. a lot man. of fun. My pleasure, Thank man. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you.